We just came through the holiday and looks like all of you survived. Some of you may still be a little holidayed, but you're starting out the new year right by being in church, giving glory to Jesus. Amen. And drawing from him. Are you ready to be renewed, revived, refreshed? And rekindled for this coming year and all that God has in store for us. Pastors, like he said, his series about let go so you can go up. And what I'm going to share today really will kind of go right along with that. Because I am going to be talking about being on fire. Being on fire. If I had a title, it would be Set Me Ablaze. How many of you want to burn brighter for Jesus this year than you ever have? Amen. To be aglow and burning with the Spirit of God. A great man of God. He's written a couple of books that I've read. One was Revival Fire and one was Ablaze. And he had this quote that the spiritual biography of too many Christians is once ablaze. But praise God, even a flickering flame that's almost gone out can be fanned into a brilliant fire again. So that is our heart's desire to be aglow and burning with the spirit of God. Pastor shared this last uh, Sunday night, yeah, New Year's Eve, and it was uh, one of the things that the Lord showed Brother Kenneth Copeland about 2018. And I just want to read a portion of that as we begin tonight. Concerning today, I usually preach at night, today, (laughs) concerning the year 2018. 2018 is the year of the Holy Ghost and fire. I got happy just when I heard that. The big 18 for 2018. Nine fruits of the Spirit, nine gifts of the Spirit. That time is not just coming, said Brother Copeland. It's already here. Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. But as his sons and daughters, this is one thing he said too. We're going to have spiritual explosions going on throughout 2018. Particularly in the areas of holiness and cleansing. Oop, I didn't hear as many shouts on that. 2018 is the year of the Holy Ghost and fire. And you know me, I like to say far, 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 because that's how I grew up saying it in Oklahoma. Can you say that with me? Far, fire, fire. Oh, Lord, send the fire. Amen. Holy Ghost, ignite us afresh and anew. Now, we know, according to the Bible, who is the author of this holy fire? Well, it's God, God himself. So let's begin today by looking over in Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll look at verse 28 and verse 29. Typically, I just quote verse 29, but I saw something in verse 28 I want to share today as well. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Every other kingdom and everything in this world that can be shaken will be shaken. 
to quote an old song, there is a whole lot of shaking going on. Like pastor said, Thursday morning at 2.40 in the morning, our windows were rattling. And he didn't even wake up. I'm like, the man of God's asleep on a pillow. I was about to jump out of bed. That was quite a jolt, wasn't it? Did everybody else feel that? Is there anybody in here who did not feel it? Wow. Okay. The Amaral's. Well, I don't know. You must be super duper sound sleepers. But in the natural, there is shaking that is going on. And like pastor said, you know, we're not prophesying doom and gloom. I don't know if there was any connection that the center was in berserkly where, you know, after we just legalized pot in our, in our state, all I can say is Lord, we're praying for mercy. And we thank you that we are protected. Amen. We're under the blood, the precious blood of the lamb. But this word passage we just read, it said we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So regardless of the economy, regardless of what might happen around us, regardless of everything else going on in the world, you and I are in this world. But guess what? We're not of this world. We're from another planet. You could say that we are aliens from another place. Heaven is our kingdom. Heaven is our true home. And that's who we're connected with. And we will not be shaken when we plant our roots and our foundation on him. For Jesus is a sure foundation. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Jesus is the rock that won't roll. Hallelujah. Cannot be shaken. And then verse 29, of course, for our God is a consuming fire throughout the Bible. He describes himself as fire. The writer of Hebrews, this just wasn't a random statement here. He was quoting the words of Moses found over in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24. The Bible says, for the Lord our God is a consuming fire and a jealous God. Let's talk about that for a minute. A jealous God. When I say jealous or jealousy, in our thinking, it has a negative connotation. But there is a godly jealousy. That's good. It's protective and it's watchful. I tell you, my husband is watchful over me. He's protective over me. You could say he's jealous over me. And guess what? I feel the same way about him. I have really good radar when it comes to women with wrong motives. Now, my husband is very sensitive. He's very wise in his relationships. He doesn't get together one-on-one with women. He doesn't take other ladies out to lunch in case you're going to invite him. Don't bother. (laughs) He only has eyes for me. And I'm glad and I'm thankful. (laughs) 
But I got this godly jealousy over him. In our younger years, there were a few times, because you know, he's, he's always been a handsome, handsome hunk of a man. And then you mingle in the anointing and, you know, women think, oh boy, I'd, li- I'd like that. And so in, when in our earlier marriage... We were having this prayer meeting at our church. I mean, at our home. And this one lady, well, this was years ago. We'd only been married a few years. But she wanted to lay hands on him. And I was just getting a like, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. Always had this word. And something rose up on the inside of me. And I looked at her like a... You better. I looked at her with this look of, I will go booger red on you. And in case you don't, you'll go, what? Well, let me just tell you a little bit about booger red. My dad's father, my grandfather on the Edward side was a lot Irish. And he looked a lot like Ricky, except he was about a foot taller. (laughs) Big guy. And he just was known for getting in fights. Most of them at bars. You know, I'm not proud of that, but that's what he would do. He would just love to get in fights. His nickname became, because he had red hair, his face was real red, his nickname became Booger Red. (laughs) Don't mess with Booger Red. So... When this woman was doing this and, you know, wanting to give my husband a word, I was like, Booger Red is coming into manifestation. Step away from the man of God. So, why did I say that? I'm not sure. I said that to let you know that there is a good godly jealousy. We need to protect our relationships and watch over one another with the right motive. And then, of course, we know that there is an unhealthy jealousy. The Bible says that, you know, jealousy can be as cruel as the grave. So we don't want to have anything to do with that, but be led in your relationships. But in this passage, it said, God is a consuming fire and he is a jealous God. And in this reference, it works because God's heart is pure. His motives are right. And this jealousy that it's talking about here is not because he's got this big old ego, but because he loves us. He's jealous over us. He's saying, I want all of your love. I want all of your attention. I want to be first place in your life. Not because I'm trying to get something from you, but because I'm trying to get something to you. He's literally saying, give me your best. Give me your all so I can in return just consume you with goodness 
and with the blessings of the Lord. Amen. Are y'all glad that God's jealous over you? He said, don't have any other gods before me. Why? Because they can't do anything for you. They're dead. Worshiping them won't produce anything. Let me be the Lord, your God. Serve me with all of your heart, with all of your might, and just watch and see what I'll do in your life. Amen. And then this term, consuming, consuming fire. What does that mean? That means that it's a fire from him that he'll put inside of us that will never burn out. Remember, when he called Moses out in the wilderness, Moses had been hiding out there. And it was time for him to step into his destiny. And how did God appear to him? He appeared to him in a burning bush that would not be consumed. A fiery burning bush showed up in Moses' life. And what did it do? It brought him revelation. It brought him light. And it gave him direction about his new, his next step. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to continually be burning bright and showing us things that we don't see. And getting rid of things that we need to get rid of. One purpose of fire is to bring us higher. Higher. And is to constantly be purifying and cleansing and changing us on the inside so we can walk in His intended purpose for our life. I like this scripture over in Philippians chapter 1. This goes right along with Him continually, that fire continually burning on the inside of us. Being confident in this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen to this phrase, this statement. The promises of God belong to me because of what Jesus did. They work for me because of what I do. The promises of God belong to me because of what Jesus did, but they work for me because of what I do. What does that mean? We have to let him work his work in us. We have to yield ourselves to the word, to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. When he says, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't say that. We shouldn't quench the Holy Ghost. You know, the Bible says, quench not the Spirit of God. And oftentimes we take that scripture to mean, you know, that we're in a wonderful high time of, of praise and, and worship. And Pastor Mark is just, I mean, Pastor Tom, well, Pastor Mark too, but Pastor Tom has just got us worshiping the Lord. And then, you know, it's a time of worship and somebody screams or, you know, runs down the aisle and it's not the appropriate time. So we think of that as quenching 
the Holy Spirit. And it does. We need to follow what the leaders are doing in a service. They're hearing from God and go with the flow. But you can quench the Holy Spirit in your individual lives as well. He's working in us. He's leading us. He's guiding us so that we can uh, be changed. How many of you want to be changed in some areas? The Holy Ghost will burn out ungodly desires if we'll let him. The promises of God belong to me because of what Jesus did. They work for me because of what I do. I have to receive. Sometimes there's some correction. He's not mad at us. He's not going to condemn us. But sometimes if we'll just open our hearts up and say, okay, Lord, I want to let go of these things so I can go higher. And then he starts saying, well, you know, you need to change this and you need to change that. Anybody else up there? I don't really want to hear that. (laughs) Got anything else? Hmm. That's hard on the flesh. No, we need to open ourselves up so we can go up. Amen. I remember a man of God by the name of Norval Hayes. Anybody in here ever heard of Norval Hayes? Before he was a minister, he was a businessman, and he lived in the, lives still, I think, in the state of Tennessee. And he loved Tennessee football. So he was preaching at this church. And they, I don't know what day it was, but they'd had him preach one service, and it had gone so well. And so then they said, well, you stay over tomorrow and preach another service. And at first he said, uh, no, I have other plans. Well, the Holy Ghost got his attention. He went to the church and started praying because his other plans was to go to Tennessee, University of Tennessee football game. And he said, I laid on the floor in that church till God burned football out of me. And I said, yeah, I'll stay and I'll preach. Now, does it, that doesn't mean it's wrong to watch football. We've been around him. He still loves football. But he had to get to the point that football wasn't first. That Jesus was first. How do you think that would work if we went down and preached that to the Raider fans on Sunday? <laughs> Probably not, right? There's no, it's great if you're a Raiders fan. But in every area of our life, We should be willing to say, Lord, you are first. And if anything is taking that place due to you in my heart, here I am. Holy Ghost, burn it out. Burn out what needs to be burned out and brand into my spirit what you're saying to me. Anybody in here got anything? You need burned out of your life. We've all been there. We've all had things. We've all had things that have tried to attach themselves to us, even that are not necessarily sins, but can be a weight and can be a hindrance. This is my prayer for myself and for you. Lord, this year, more of you and less of me. Take me higher, dear Lord. Take me higher. I intend to travel light and easy in 2018. I'm not going into this year with a bunch of excess baggage. How about you? 
Bible tells us over in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Let us lay aside every way and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's hard to run if you're carrying, you know, 50-pound suitcases in each hand. He's saying, get rid of those weights. A portion of that passage in the Amplified says, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance that that sin which cleverly clings to and entangles us unnecessary things that try to cling to us have you ever had to forgive somebody maybe today don't look at them if you're sitting by them But you okay, Lord, I repent. I forgive them in Jesus' name. You know, a few minutes later, they do or say something else. And it's like those little sticky notepads. It just tries to stick back on you. The devil is defeated, but he is also sly. And he's clever. And he knows, he observes us. He doesn't know everything, but he certainly knows what pushes your button. And those are the things that he tries to entangle us with and keep us wrapped up in and keep us bound by. That's why this verse says, strip them off. Say, no way. I'm not going to be ensnared with that. I'm not going to be entangled with that. You tripped me up there before, but not Again, I have discovered what you're doing and I'm not going to let it rule and control my life any longer. I am going to let there be a spiritual explosion. Like Brother Copeland said, I'm going to get close to the fire, the source of the fire. And I'm going to let that thing be burned out of me. And again, maybe it's not even a sin, but it's unnecessary. Things that rob us and steal us, steal time from us. Those things are unnecessary. God is necessary. What the Bible said about Mary and Martha. Martha was all troubled about everything and all concerned. And Jesus said, Mary has chosen the one thing. Some translations say the necessary thing. What's necessary? The word. Spending time with him. That's the necessary thing. All this other stuff many times is unnecessary. Let's choose the necessary part. Now, Brother Copeland also said this. We're taking a lot out of that word. It's the year of holiness and cleansing. Sometimes when you hear the word holiness, if you grew up like I grew up in a, it was a good Pentecostal church, but holiness had everything to do with the outward appearance. And it was mostly aimed at women. I never once heard a message about how men should dress. But it was always about women. 
So when Brother Hagen, our spiritual father, came over into the Pentecostal movement that I was a part of, denomination, people finally, they would say to him, you never preach a holiness message about how women should dress. And I loved his response. He said, I barely know how to dress myself. I don't, I'm not going to tell them what to wear. Holy, true holiness is not, we called it, PT, remember this, clothesline preaching. Long dresses, long hair, no makeup, long faces. I like something that Brother John Osteen, Joel Osteen's father said. When he came over into Pentecost, he was bewildered by that as well. And he said, I don't get it. These women... They got the long hair, they got the long dresses, but their tongues are long enough to sit in the living room and lick a spoon in the kitchen. Not true holiness. (laughs) It's not about the outward appearance. It's an inward work. Of course, that inward work does affect the outward. And we should be concerned how we adorn ourselves because we want to glorify God in our bodies, which means our clothing. But it's not working from the outside. It's working from the inside to the outside. True holiness is sanctification of the heart. Set apart Unto our holy God. Amen. Making ourselves a willing vessel to bring him honor and to bring him glory. It's a process. Sanctification and holiness, that happens when you get born again. But walking in a life of holiness, it's not automatic. It is a process. How many of you are willing to yield yourself? To that process. Listen to this scripture in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 through 24. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him. As the truth is in Jesus. Now verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man. Which grows corrupt according to the deceitfulness of lust. In verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24. And that you put on the new man. Which was created according to God. In true righteousness. And say it with me. Holiness. So this verse says, we have something to do. We got to put on the new man. We got to put on true righteousness. We know according to the word, when we get born again, we are immediately translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We are immediately made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness. Right standing with God. We are not 
unworthy worms. We don't have to crawl into the, the throne room. We don't have to have this sin consciousness, this guilt of things that we did in the past. How many of you are the righteousness of God in here? Well, if you don't know you are, stick around. Hallelujah. And you will find out. But the majority of so many in the body of Christ do not have that revelation. They are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, lift one hand with me and say this. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have right standing. With my Father God. That's something to be happy about. Amen. So we need to put on that. How do we do that? Through the revelation of the Word of God. Renewing our mind in Him realities. I challenge you this year. We have a little book over in the bookstore. You can order it online by Kenneth E. Hagan called In Him. It's just simple, but it's profound. It goes through the Bible and it identifies all the scriptures that say in Him. In Him! We're healed. In Him, we're more than a conquerors. In Him, we're prosperous. Woo! There's a lot of in Him realities. And I challenge you to look into that this year. And to confess it like never before. And it'll put something in your tank. Hallelujah. So we got to put this on. And then he said we got to put off things from our former lifestyle. If it doesn't line up with the godly life. Get rid of it. Hallelujah. How? Like we've already said, renewing our mind to the word of God. And also by letting that fire of God on the inside of us consume it. Shake it off into the fire. Remember when Paul, Pastor read this last week. I think it was New Year's Eve. When Paul in Acts chapter 2 was shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta. You know the whole story there. But as he was building a fire, this viper came out of the wood and attached itself to his hand. And the Bible says, you know, the natives there, they were all looking for him to die because this was a poisonous snake. But what did Paul do? He shook it off. And what did he shake it off into? The fire. And then he turned to the people around and he said, anybody want some fried viper? (laughs) Extra crispy? No. But the symbolic that he shook it off into the fire. He didn't just shake it off and stomp it to death, which he probably could have. He shook it off into the fire. And that's symbolic for us that these poisonous things, strife is a poisonous thing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Bitterness is a poisonous thing. It's full of, of, full of venom. You can think of other things that are. And when they try to attach it, their selves to us, what are we supposed to do with it? Pet it? Yeah, I, I, you know, they really hurt me. So I've got a good excuse to be angry. They did me wrong, so I can carry this bitterness. No, it's poisonous. Shake it off. Everybody do this. Shake it off. Do it again. Shake it off. 
Shake it off into what? The fire. And let the fire of God consume it. Hallelujah. The fire of God. God has given us a helper on our journey that is in conjunction with him being a consuming fire. And it is called the Holy Ghost and fire. John the Baptist, he had such a revelation of who Jesus really was. He knew he was the Messiah. He knew he was the son of God. And he also had a revelation of Jesus going to baptize his believers with the Holy Ghost and with fire. God is the author of fire. Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire. So John said over in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Now read this last part with me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And is a conjunction. It joins things together. So when we get filled with the Holy Ghost, He is accompanied by something. And it's called fire. It's called fire. <laughs> it's called fire. Holy Ghost. And fire. One aspect of this fire of God at work in us, particularly when we get filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, is that that fire is going to change some things inside of us. In the natural, fire changes the form of many materials. You get metal heated up and you can bend it. You can shape it. You can mold it. I remember when I was in junior high, we visited Silver Dollar City in Branson. It had just opened up. And we were fascinated by this blacksmith. He had this big, huge oven, and it was just blazing hot. And he would stick different things in there, bring them out, mold that metal. He was making horseshoes, which I thought was cool. And it was like he was measuring them to fit the exact horse's foot. You know, horses have different sizes, shoes too. (laughs) And getting this metal hot, bent it so he could shape it and he could mold it. Now this fire God that we're talking about, it's not him putting you through something horrible, putting a disease up on you, beating you up, grounding you to powder and saying, now, now that you're nothing and you're burnt down to nothing, are you willing to obey me? No, that's not how he works. But he does deal with us about change. Fire in the natural, what does it do? It changes the landscape. Unfortunately, we've had a lot of wildfires in California recently that have destroyed complete neighborhoods and and forests. It's changed the landscape. And by the way, God didn't send it. God's not the author of natural disasters. 
and human air or whatever sparked these fires. God's fire is not destructive like that. But God's fire will change the landscape of our lives. You know what it does? It burns away all the brush. It purges out all the hindrances. It gets the landscape ready for His glory. Making our hearts a habitation of His glory. We're not going to go much longer today, but you could see this progression in the book of Acts that we may talk about tonight. What happened? Jesus told him, go get filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. The fire fell. And what did it do? It changed the landscape of those 120 people's lives. It particularly changed the landscape of Peter. It burned out all of those insecurities. It burned out, I'm sure, that self-pity. It burned out that regret of denying the Lord. It changed the landscape of his heart and his life. And after that fire fell, Peter preached that powerful message. Then then you'll see what began to happen in Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 5. The glory fell. Fire precedes the glory falling. Signs, wonders, miracles happened after the fire fell. I have a question for you. Are there any candidates in here today that are willing to say, Oh Lord, here am I. If there's anything in my heart that's not of you, anything that I've held on from the past, unforgiveness, strife, bitterness, you know, even just flat out disobedience and rebellion, unwillingness to do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to let you purge that out of me today. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just all bow our heads right now for a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word that I believe has gone forth in power and with an unction. And you alone can do what I cannot do. I ask for dealings of the Holy Spirit, that you would speak to individual lives. And Lord, if there's adjustments that need to be made, if there's unnecessary things that need to be laid aside... We are willing. I know I'm willing, and I know this group of people, they're willing. Willing, Lord, to let you do a work in all of our lives. Hallelujah.